All right, well, this morning uh, we're going to be in the Old Testament. I know some of you guys are like, the Old Testament? I don't even really look at the Old Testament. Yeah, we're going to be in the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to look at, be looking at a little bit at Moses, a little bit at Joshua. The title of the message uh, this morning is Feet on Fire. Feet on Fire. Some, some of you guys are like, I do not want my feet to be on fire. You know what? It's really strange with me. Like, if I wear sandals, like, all day, I don't know what it is. I'm actually, like, flat-footed or something. But if I wear sandals all day, my feet feel like they're on fire. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm old. Um, but uh, but they feel like they're on fire. I feel like I'm going to die if I wear sandals all day. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about wearing sandals. Um, we're talking about something bigger than just sandals. Well, Lifted Church is, uh, is on its way. You know, we, we started out of a garage and for a lot of you guys, you guys had maybe been part of that at one point in time. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a season of, of commitment, a season of due diligence, making sure that everything was, was all set up and, and all of that. But we imagine, we believe that Lifted is going to be so much bigger than just a garage, so much bigger than even just this space. We believe God's going to do something extremely large um, through us. And uh, and so as we embrace that, we need to be thinking about not only what we do together as a team, but also what we can bring to the table individually. There are several churches out there that have different different uh, sayings, you know. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the popular sayings in churches today is, together we are better, right? And, and I think, I think there's a misnomer there, you know? What if you had a bunch of people that did absolutely nothing and they were all together in one place, right? And they're just sitting there just twiddling their thumbs. Together, you're not better. You're actually not even good individually, let alone when you're together, right? Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, I have Thomas and, and, uh, and Annalisa and maybe some of their cousins around and, and I'll ask for something to happen and it just doesn't happen. And, and I think, Wow, there's like 10 of you to make this happen, and it's just not happening. Why isn't it happening, you know? And just because they're just maybe being lazy at that, at that moment in time. So the idea of together being better, yeah, it works as long as individually everybody is doing what they're called to do. And so this morning I want us to think about those individual things. And I want you guys to think about a potluck, right? How many of you guys love potlucks? You guys just love potlucks. Look, all the young people, I don't have to buy anything. I just come and eat, right? Potlucks, potlucks are great, right? Potlucks are great because you just get to come and, and enjoy a different variety of food. It's almost like going to hometown buffet, but at somebody's house, right? Or the Golden Corral. You guys know there's a Golden Corral being built right in San Bernardino? Oh, sorry. That was a squirrel moment. Um, so, 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 but, but the, the whole buffet thing, right? And, and, and being able to come and just eat from a buffet. And, you know, you always, you always have different people doing different things. You have somebody who may be a chef, right? And they're, and they're cooking something really amazing. And, and maybe you've had that something before and you're hoping they'll bring that something to the table. You're like, man, I really hope they bring that, like Claudia, uh, my, my second mom. My, actually, my third mom um, used to used to make this sour cream chicken casserole, chicken enchilada casserole, right? And I was whenever we'd have like some kind of potluck thing, I'd be like, I hope Claudia brings a sour cream chicken casserole thing, right? And and sure enough, she would, and and I would gain like thirty pounds in one day. It was ridiculous, and and we. But I think we always we always look forward to something, a potluck. If you've been with somebody. 
uh, at a potluck before that they've made something you thought was amazing. But then there's, but then there's the people that you know no matter what, they're just gonna go and buy something from the store, right? Not because they can't make anything, but just because they're lazy. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys are those people? <laughs> Great. So, so we have, we have the store-bought people and we have the absolute chefs. But you know what the worst kind of person is when you have a potluck? The person you assign something to, and guess what? They don't bring it. They just don't bring it. And it's, and it's always the most critical thing, right? Like, like cups. Like they're supposed to bring cups. You have all these drinks, right? And you're like, you just bring the cups. Cause you're like, they always forget things or, or they, 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 you know, they don't want to make anything. So I'll just give them something real easy to do. Just bring cups, right? And, and, and they're the ones that are always 10 minutes late to the party, you know? So you have the, like the perfect storm. You're 10 minutes late to the party and you forgot the cups, right? And, and, and we have Mexican food with all this hot salsa, right? And you're like, what are we going to do? There's no, there's no way we can drink anything. There's nothing to drink out of. And, and you're freaking out and you're like, you really dropped the ball here. This is really disappointing. Why don't we have cups right now? And I think about, I think about this, this idea of these, these multifaceted, the multifaceted approach to the different things that are needed at a potluck. And I think about how God wants to use each one of us individually. And for some of us, we're called to bring cups. For some of us, we're called to do something amazing and make something amazing. And for some of us, He may just say, just go to the store and buy this and that's your contribution. But together, as we individually do what we're called to do, that as we come together, guess what? We have an amazing meal. An amazing meal. You guys ever had a potluck that just went amazing? You're like, this is great. This is great. Like Caesar, you know, the, the, the bass player on our worship team, man, he loves food. This dude loves food. And when, when, when he gets a plate, he'll, he'll take a bite of something. He's like, oh man, this is great. Great. What is, what is this? That's what I'm saying. What is this? And he'll take his fork and point at it. What is, what is? And then he'll take another bite of the other thing. This is great. And Caesar, Caesar just has so much love in his face for, for food as he's eating food. So as a potluck comes together, you can look at Caesar and you can say, is this potluck good? And he would tell you. But this morning we're going to look at Moses and we're going to look at the positional influence of Moses and not only of Moses but of Joshua as Moses finally breathes his last breath and Joshua takes over. And Moses, you know, Moses lived to be 120 years old. In fact, Deuteronomy 34.7 says this, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. You know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, there, there's people out there today that are in their 90s, you know, and they, they look like they're ready. They're ready to go see Jesus, right? They're ready to go see Jesus. They're on their way. They, it could happen in any moment and they'd be really excited to go see Jesus. But Moses here at 120 years old, he wasn't, he wasn't diminished. He wasn't stopping. He was still on fire for the Lord. And, 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 and he was there in the moment. And I think about, I think about when, whenever we go to do something, that we do something with vigor. 
that we, we do the things that God's called us to do, we do it with passion. We do it with excitement, right? Right? You know, uh, Donna, Donna, before she was uh, going up to, to, to do worship, she told the worship team, she said, look, guys, when you get up there, be excited. Be excited about the fact that you're going up to worship the Lord. Be excited about the fact that you're going up to lead other people in worship. And Moses did this. But what was amazing to me is that Moses was on fire all the time. He was on fire all the way to the end. And because Moses was so impactful, you know, the Israelites, you know, they wept for 30 days after he died. 30 days. Hey, I, I think, I think to myself, you know, for some of us who, you know, say you died today, right? Some of your friends would be like, oh, that's sad. And the next day they would just go and do whatever they're going to do. And some of you guys are like, oh, that hurts. I don't like that. Well, I want to ask you, how impactful are you to the people you're around? See, Moses, he was super impactful. In fact, he led the people, right? He led the people out of slavery. And he was super impactful. In fact, Moses was on point all the time. Well, <laughs> most of the time. And as a result of him being really impactful, you know, the people were sad. They were sad when he passed away. But that's okay. But that's okay because... God's going to rise up somebody else. If you guys have your Bibles, open up with me to Exodus 17. Nobody has a Bible. Everybody has cell phones. That's amazing. It's great. 17. We're going to start in verse 8 here. It says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Verfindim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to, onto the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands were, his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You know, uh, Caleb, Caleb and Stephanie have, uh, you know, they're getting married soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Getting married soon. People are getting married like left and right soon. Uh, but Caleb and Stephanie are getting married and Caleb, Caleb and Stephanie were telling us about, uh, about the fact they were taking salsa classes. And, uh, if you guys know anything about me, I have zero rhythm at all. No rhythm. Like, I can't. You know, if, if, if you're standing next to me during worship, I'm going to be distracting. I'm going to be like, <laughs> and you're going to be like, what's this guy doing? I can't even concentrate. He's clapping like offbeat like the whole time, you know? That's me. That's my life. That's, that's, that's part of me. God decided, he said, you know, I'm going to give Sean the ability to speak, but I'm going to take everything musically away from him. He'll not have nothing of musicality at all. I love music, but that's about as far as it gets. 
And so when I think about salsa dancing, I think, ooh, that requires rhythm. I'm pretty sure you got to do that. You know, see, it's bad. It's bad, I'm telling you. But it requires somebody to lead. I'm assuming, I think, at least most dancing does require somebody to lead and somebody to follow. And, and, and if, if you as a couple understand, if you understand your individual roles, right? As you're doing it, it'll look great, right? How many of you guys have seen like dancing with the stars and, um, so you think you could dance and all this really cool stuff, right? Like you watch it and you're like, that's amazing. It's not because there's two people leading. But everybody understands their position. And I want us to understand that as, as we, as we enact in the Lord, as we do what the Lord's called us to do, we really have to understand and we have to take our position. We have to take our position. See, many, many of us would read through the story and we'd say, wow, Moses is doing a great job. Moses is, is really taking charge here. But, but I would, I would challenge you to think about the fact that there's really multiple perspectives thing. There's multiple things happening. There's multiple people bringing different things to this potluck. See, in Exodus 17:9, what does this say? It says, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. And then I love this. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, I was thinking, you know, Joshua's like, I'm getting ripped off here. Hold on. Hold on. Let me understand something, Moses. Because this is what we would do. This is what a lot of us would do, right? And if you say no, you're not being honest. This is what a lot of us would do. We'd be like, wait, hold on. You're going to go and sit on the top of the hill, right? (laughs) I just want to understand this, Moses. You're going to go sit on top of the hill, and you want me to choose the guys, right? You want me to choose the guys here that we're going to go out and fight. We're going to go out and fight, and you're just going to go sit on the hill. That does not seem fair. That does not seem fair to me. And a lot of us, that's what we do with, with, with the calling that God's put in our lives. And we've said, wait, that just does not seem fair. Why do I have to be the one to do all the work and they just go get to go sit in the office? You guys have, you guys have bosses like that, don't you? You know what I'm talking about, right? You're out there doing all the hard work, right? And your boss is like, sweep those, sweep that up over there. Make me a coffee. And they're just sitting high on the hog and you're like, this is not fair. It's not equitable. They don't do anything. How come I have to do everything and they just get to sit around? And I wonder if Joshua was going through this. And not only that, but this. You put the responsibility on me. I'm, we're going to go and fight the Amalekites, right? Okay, hold on. I have to choose these guys. I have to choose his guys. Now, they're not choosing people for a basketball team. You know, Joshua's not trying to figure out how he can win the basketball game. Okay. Joshua's trying to figure out how he's not going to die on the battlefield. He's trying to figure out who are the best people here to pick, to take with me, to go fight this war, to fight this battle. I want you guys to write this down because 
because I think this is, this is for us, for a lot of us, a big thing for us. A lot of us, we want to be part of something big, but without the responsibility. We want to be part of something big, but without the responsibility. That's a big deal. Because Joshua here, I don't think that Joshua didn't want the responsibility. I think he engaged, he, he held tight to the responsibility. I think that, I think that he was okay with it. I think that he, he didn't think that he was a pawn, but, but I think that he realized that God had given him his talent. In fact, if you read through the Bible, Joshua was one of the greatest, the, one of the greatest military leaders in Israel's history. Joshua was a great military leader. That God had given him that, that innate ability. And Moses knew that. And Moses knew the calling that God had put on Joshua's life. And so Moses decided to say, Joshua, you choose the guys. Because this is your talent. This is what God's given you, the ability to do this. And then Moses and, and Aaron and her went to go onto the top of the hill. I want to look at 17.10 here. 17.10, Exodus 17.10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. You guys just circle, underline, ordered. Because Joshua did exactly as Moses had told him to do. So I want, to, I want us to think about this as we take our position in what the Lord's called us to do, and that thing is called obedience. See, God can't use you if you're not willing to obey Him. For, for many, many, many years, I've shared this with you guys, for many, many years, I, I decided I wasn't going to listen to the Lord, and, and lifted would have been planted about five years ago if I were to listen to the Lord, but the, Lord's, the Lord just kept having to work on me. And out of my disobedience, my life, my spiritual life, the, 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 the relationship I had with the Lord was suffering because I wasn't listening to what He was calling me to do. But let me tell you this. Today I'm in obedience. And out of obedience comes reward. You see, the obedience that Joshua had towards Moses, towards the things that the Lord was giving through Moses, translated into something that we're going to read in a little bit in Joshua chapter 1, where Joshua received the benefits of such obedience. You see, being plugged in, being plugged in, it allows you to shine. It allows you to shine. The other day, Donna was, Donna was, uh, going to vacuum the floor. I just come back from a business trip. When I come back from a business trip, I'm so beat down. I'm just walking in like this. All right, where's the bed? I just want to lay down. And she says to me, she says, Sean, she's like, she gives me the look like something bad has just happened. She's like, Sean. And I'm like, what? And she's like, the vacuum. Like, what happened to the vacuum? The vacuum, we have a Dyson. That thing's supposed to last for 50 years, right? At least I paid an amount that should last for 50 years, right? So I'm thinking, 
you're not talking about the vacuum. You're talking about some other vacuum, like a vacuum you borrowed or something. It's not our vacuum. Yes, the vacuum. And I'm like, what? What's wrong with the vacuum? Well, it's not turning on. And I'm like, did you plug it in? Did you plug it in? Is it plugged in? And she said, yes, it's plugged in. And she gives me that look like she wants to kill me because, of course, I'm joking with her. I'm joking with her, Daniel. And she has it plugged in, obviously. And she says, but there's white stuff all around the part where you turn it on. And I'm like, oh, no. Because all I'm thinking about, and for those of you guys out there that know anything about electronics or anything like that, that's not good. For those of you guys who don't know anything about electronics, you know that's not good. <laughs> There's not supposed to be white powder around the on and off switch. And I'm thinking, oh, something got blown or something. And so I go over and, and, uh, and I automatically think to myself, maybe we just blew the fuse or blew the breaker in the, in the wall for that plug. So I unplugged it. And what do you think I did? I went to another plug, right? Tried to plug it in there. Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> it still didn't work. And, and so, so I had to allow the vacuum to cool down. The vacuum cooled down and then, and then guess what? It reignited. And, and I don't hate Dyson anymore. I hated Dyson for about 15 minutes. But as I was, as I was doing that, I was thinking about, I was thinking about the fact that you have to be plugged in in order to shine. And I was thinking about the fact that a lot of us, you know, we think that we can shine without being plugged into the Lord. You know, we think that God's going to be able to use our talents that God's given us without being plugged into the Lord. You know, Alan, you know, up here playing the, I won't even try. I'm just going to pretend. Okay. Alan up here playing the, the piano, you know, you think, what does that have to do with being plugged into the Lord? What is, what is practicing the piano? What is, what does practicing the piano have to do with being plugged into the Lord? What is, what is, what is the actual talent of playing the piano? I mean, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that are playing in secular bands that are playing the piano or playing some kind of musical instrument that are just incredible, right? And they're not plugged into the Lord. You see, I would say that those people aren't shining. In fact, they're kind of dull. In fact, in fact, you know, you know, you know when you, you know when you have a diamond, you know, Donna, Donna has her wedding ring. She's had it for, oh, how long have we been married? We've been married a long time. It's, uh, uh, 2016. We've been married 17 years. 17 years this May. And Donna's wedding ring, she's had the same wedding ring the entire time. Um, we, you know, and, and she, she goes and gets it clean. But without cleaning it, it starts to get dull, you know? You guys have wedding rings. You guys have rings. You know, you know, you can start that your diamond starts to get cloudy. You know, it starts to get that calcium buildup. Especially you women that lather your hands and everything with lotion and you lather your ring with lotion all the time. Right. If you don't take care of it, it starts to get cloudy and, and Donna's ring will get cloudy and then we'll, we'll go to take it in and, and, she, and she gets it cleaned up and man, it looks incredible. And I think about the fact that if you are not plugged into the things of the Lord, your, your diamond starts to get a little cloudy and, and you start to, you start to look a little dingy. Right? But as soon as you plug yourself back into the Word, as soon as you plug yourself back into the Lord, then all of a sudden that vibrancy comes back and people are like, that person's on fire for God. It's a different, it's a whole different thing. 
And Joshua, well, this guy, he was plugged in. Deuteronomy 34.9 says this, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. You see, because Joshua led by example. We just got done reading when Moses ordered him to go and choose the men and go and fight the battle against the Amalekites, right? That Joshua demonstrate that, demonstrated that obedience. And so it was easy for Israel to get behind Joshua when Moses had passed away. Joshua 1, 1-9 talks about the transition of Joshua coming into the place after Moses had passed away. Feet on fire. Joshua 1.3 says this, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. It's funny, the Lord said to Joshua over and over again in Joshua chapter 1, He said, Be strong and courageous. Imagine, from youth, you're walking behind this guy Moses. This incredible man that you've seen perform the most awesome miracles. In fact, in Exodus 14, you know, uh, the Bible tells us that the staff that, that the Lord gave to Moses, that he said, this staff will produce miraculous signs. That same staff was the staff that Moses carried throughout the whole time. And the Israelites, I guarantee you, were looking at Moses like, man, you have the anointing of God on you. And so when Moses died, I imagine Joshua, can you imagine? You're like, you're like following this amazing man around the whole time. The guy that, that was instrumental to being used by God to bring you up out of Egypt. And then all of a sudden he dies. I'd be like, oh no, oh no, oh no. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'd be freaking out. I'd be freaking out. I guarantee Joshua was too. And that's the reason why the Lord had to tell him three times, be strong and courageous. Don't worry about it. I got you. Don't worry about it. Everywhere you put your foot to, you will have that place. I will give it to you. I will give it to you. See, over the next couple of weeks, I want us to start proclaiming this. I want us to start proclaiming the same thing that the Lord gave to Joshua. I want us to proclaim when you set foot in this building, when you set foot in this room, when you set foot in the children's ministry, that we're proclaiming it for the Lord. That we're saying, my foot stepped here, my foot is stepping here, and Lord, you've given this to us. So Lord, what are you going to do with this? What do you want to do with this? What do you have for us here? What, how are we going to affect lives? How are we going to be obedient to the things that you've called us to do? What do you want us to do here? This is yours. I want to close with this. David Platt said this. He said, I'm convinced that the greatest need in the church today is not more money. It's not more power. It's not more prestige. It's not more people. It's not more education. It's not more political influence. I believe the greatest need in the church today is more men, women, and students who believe in Jesus Christ and have embraced Him to rise up and be the disciples that the Scripture teaches us to be. You know, that's the problem. That's the problem today. Is that we have a church full of people that aren't bringing anything to the potluck. 
You know what happens when you have a church that nobody brings anything to the potluck? You don't have a potluck. You have a party with no food. Nobody wants to go to a party with no food. I know I don't. You see, God had called Joshua, God had called Moses to do some amazing things, and Moses understood his position. Moses understood his position as a leader. Aaron and her knew, knew, knew their position on that day to be there to hold up the hands of Moses so that the Israelites could beat the Amalekites. And Joshua, he knew his position. He had the position of a big responsibility. That big responsibility, right? To be part of a bigger thing. And so, so Joshua, you know, he, he chose the guys. He chose the guys and, and they won and they beat the Amalekites. And it was one step and many steps to be able to move towards this, this promised land that God was going to give to the Israelites. I want to tell you guys this morning, your feet, your feet should be on fire. On fire for the things of God. On fire because God wants to use you in an amazing way. And I don't know what you're supposed to bring to the potluck. I don't know what God's called you to do, what your talent is. But I can tell you this, if you're showing up consistently, not bringing something to the potluck, that you're going to ultimately be responsible for that one day. You see, the Bible tells us that we have talents, that we have giftings, that, that we have these very things that God's given us, that He's poured into our lives. And, and if you decide that you're just going to bury your talent in the, in the ground and just leave it there, you're going to be responsible for that. When you get to the judgment throne one day, God's going to ask you and say, what would you do with the talent I gave you? What would you do with the gifting I gave you? I hope that we can all say, Lord, I used it. I used it. Not only did I use it, but I, I committed it to you. I gave it to you. So that when I was up there playing the piano, Lord, that, that everything about me was about worship. That, that you know that my relationship with you, that, that as I play the piano, that it's a commitment. It's an offering that I give up to you. Say, I say, thank you, Lord, for this ability. Lord, it's yours. It's yours. All day long, it's yours. And, and you read the Bible and you pray and, and you get before the Lord and you say, Lord, I commit myself to you. I give myself to you instead of holding back. You know, for some of us this morning, maybe you just need to, maybe you just need to, for, for the first time, just go buy something and bring it to the potluck. You know? Or maybe you just need to bring cups. But in the end, in the end, you're going to be the person that brings like this really fancy prime rib. I like prime rib. Or tamales. I like tamales too. But you bring something really good, something that everybody's going to enjoy. And you say, you say, Lord, I love you and I love others. And that's the reason why I'm bringing this to the table today is because I care about you and I care about others. Would you guys stand with me? I want to just thank you guys for coming out. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, this has encouraged you. This is not to beat anybody up. I'm encouraging you because I want you guys to be able to, to just thrive in the things of God. That God can just use you. That he, he can use you the same way He used Moses, the same way He used Joshua. That He can do amazing things through you. Because I believe that God has a purpose for each one of us. And it's not for us just to sit around and just hang out. 
to just go to the party and not bring anything to the potluck. God wants each one of you to bring something. Would you guys just bow your heads? We're just going to pray. And, you know, um, as we as we pray, you know, I, I never, now that we're in a big enough space, I never want to not have the opportunity for this. I never want to not have the opportunity for this because for some of you guys, maybe you're just lost. And and what that means is Romans 10.9 says that if you confess through their mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's that's a promise to you. It's a promise to you. God's, God's given that to you. It's what He brings to the table. He gives that to you. So this morning, if there's anybody, if there's anybody that says, you know, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I want to know what this is like. I want to realize the talents that God's given me so that I can bring something to the table. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand. and We just want to pray with you. And just believe God together. Anybody here this morning? Great. So secondly, I'm just going to ask you this. And I'm going to ask Alan and Ellie to come up here and and uh, the next thing that we're always going to have it lifted is we're going to always have the availability for you to get prayed for because we all need prayer. <laughs> At least I do. I ask people to pray for me all the time. Um, is this, is that if this morning, if this morning you're like, you know what, Pastor Sean, that's, that's it for me. You know, I, I really, I really need to understand what it is that God wants me to bring to the table. I need to hand over my talents to Him and say, Lord, how can I commune with you? How can I, how can my relationship get built with you even stronger so that you can be able to just be a shining light for the Lord like never before? That you need to get plugged in. That you need to take that big responsibility and do something with it. If that's you this morning, you know what? Whether you come up now during our last worship song, Oh, whether you come up after service, Alan and Ellie and David will be up here to, to pray for you. Uh, we would love for you just to come up and get some prayer. That's what they're here for. You know, part of, part of doing something differently is you have to take that first step. I hate, I hate eating right. I hate eating right. I love to eat in and out. I love it. I love to eat all the junk food. I could eat ice cream every day. I could eat frappuccino, drink frappuccinos every day. I love it. But you know what the worst thing to do is? Is to start eating right. But you know what the hardest part about it is? The first day. The first day is terrible. It's terrible. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I can't eat anything but salads. And you're so sad. And for a lot of us, you know, we give our lives over to the Lord and we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to give it to you now. That's what it's like for us. I'm just going to eat salads. It's terrible. That's okay, guys. God wants you anyways. God wants you anyways. And so I'll give you the opportunity this morning to come on up and get prayed for. We're going to close with this worship song. As we close with this worship song, um, the offering is going to be going around. If you can give, great. There's many ways to give the lifted. You can give online. You can give through our Tidely app. And you can give through writing a check or whatever. If you need an envelope or anything, just let us know. Um, no, Nobody's forced to give here. God's going to provide. God's going to provide. So nobody's forced to give. We'd love it if you could give, but nobody's forced to give. So uh, you guys just pray with me. Lord, I just thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, we have to be able to be here this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you that it brings light, Lord. 
Lord, I thank you that, uh, that Lord, you've called each one of us to something. Lord, allow us to be able to, uh, to step into the things that you've called us to. Lord, that our feet would be on fire, Lord. Not because our feet are hot, but Lord, because we want to, we want to step with action, Lord. Because we have a burning passion, Lord, to be able to do the things that you've called us to do, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this service, Lord. I thank you for each person that made it out this morning, Lord. And as we finish up, Lord, the service with this, with this last song, Lord, I pray, Lord, lives would be changed, Lord, that prayer would be given, Lord, and that, and that you would seek out, Lord, each of the hearts, Lord, that you want, Lord, and desire this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.